Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, November 8th, the final Masters 1000 event of the 2020 ATP season officially in the books. It's Daniil Medvedev capturing his third title at the Masters level, knocking off Alex Zverev in a three-set final and looking probably as impressive as he has looked throughout this entire 2020 season. Of course, we're going to talk about his run through this championship weekend in Paris some of the other highlights of the event, talk about our other winners as well from across the professional tennis world. Joining me to do just that on the podcast today, you know him as our Crack Rackets do everything, forefather of the forehand slice, the only undefeated high school tennis coach in Missouri State history, and of course, a former Denison men's tennis great, James Foster McDonald. Jamie, what did you think about this past week of tennis? It was nice, right? It, it kind of, uh, look, outside of the fact that there were no fans there, it was, uh, it was a nice sort of like consistent, hey, here's another Masters tournament, right? You know, we had the bubble happen in New York. That felt a little weird. Then we had, uh, you know, French Open that was scheduled somewhere else, had a couple other tournaments. Now we're getting back on track with the Paris Masters, you know, happening when it normally does. Again, a bit of a sense of normalcy here. Yeah, of course, and I do also want to say we broke down the five biggest storylines, in our opinion, of the past week in the tennis world on our new YouTube show, The Deciding Point. If you have not, go check that out. Our super producer, Daniel Westoff, doing such an incredible job with that series, making it look really cool. I would say almost like a PTI would be the equivalent I would make, but it looks really, really cool, so please be sure to go check that out. We promise you all will enjoy it. Some quick-hitting takes, some fun along the way. You know, one of the things we talk about, it was, of course, also not just a week of action on the court, off the court as well. And we talked about it in that video. We talked about it earlier this week when Ben's story came out. You know, it, it, it did... It did feel a little bit sweet to see Alex Zverev kind of eat a slice of humble pie, go up a set, and lose that match to Daniil Medvedev as well. Proof that there are tennis gods, although I suppose, again, it's so indicting on the ATP that they have yet to make any sort of statement that he continues to play as if nothing is going on in his personal life. It's just sort of like, where's the leadership in this moment? That's something we discussed there, and we've talked about it, of course, on this podcast already. Uh, but again, I do want to talk about the action in Paris, some names some of our other winners as well. I also have to tell all of you listeners the reason we're able to do this day in, day out here on this podcast because of the support we get from our friends over at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. And I'm not going to lie, I did have a listener approach me and say, Alex, why don't you say look well, feel well, play well? And I said, that just doesn't have the same ring as look good, feel good, play good. So that's what we're going to stick with as our motto here at Crack Rackets. And of course, the way we look good, feel good, and ultimately end up playing good on the court because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com. Use the promo code CRACKED15. You will be looking your best. You will be feeling your best. And ultimately, you will play your best on court. That is all that matters. I know Jamie McDonald right now is playing some pretty good tennis for a 24-year-old. I feel like you've got your act together. you got to be pretty happy with your level. Yeah, not so bad. Um, and I just recently got some string from Midwest Sports. Had a couple weeks ago, had my match this weekend. It was the first match I had played with the new string in there. So, look, I'm, I'm looking good. I don't know if I'd say I'm playing good yet, but I'm going in that direction. 
Well, you have too good of grammar to ever say you're playing good. You would only say you're playing well. And once you reach that level, I'm sure we'll get there. Um, but yes, I agree with you again. If, if it can make Jamie D- McDonald look good on court, it can certainly allow you to look good as well. So go check them out. Go check out our friends at Aerobar. We have some really cool interviews on the way. I'm just going to plug those quickly. Uh, we are starting our co- our preview series of the 2021 college season. So, of course, we've got head coaches, uh, uh, Adam Steinberg, excuse me, leave that in. And I was like, why am I having a brain fart here? This is what I'm exciting for. Uh, But we have Adam Steinberg of the University of Michigan. We also have Manny Diaz. You know why I stopped? Is I was going to say Annie Diaz, and I was like, that's not his name, Alex. Get it together. Uh, no, we have Manny Diaz of the University of Georgia, Adam Steinberg of the University of Michigan. We also have with our friends at Aerobar, in addition of getting to the point with the one and only James Blake joins the podcast, gives us an hour of his time. Of course, we talk about nutrition and fitness, but we also get into his career. It's a really fun conversation, so we've got some really cool stuff for you on the way here at Crack Rackets. Be on the lookout for all of that. And remember, you can find it all on our website, crackrackets.com. But with that in mind, Jamie, let's get into this weekend of tennis. What a fun weekend it was. And of course, the place we have to start with the action in Paris, where we had our final Masters event of the year. As we mentioned, it's Daniil Medvedev knocking off Milos Raonic in the semifinals, 6-4-7-6. Ultimately then knocking off Alex Vera, 5-7-6-4-6-1. You look at what he has done now. Over his past five Masters events, Jamie, he goes, oh, excuse me, past six Masters events, it becomes even more impressive. For Medvedev, he went, uh, you know, finals in the Rogers Cup, he loses to Nadal. He then wins Cincy last year. He wins Shanghai, ends up losing second round of Paris, but then quarterfinals this year of Cincy really should have beaten Roberto Bautista Agut. Now he wins this title. He looks awfully impressive, and then you you know you, you kind of going into the tournament. You're like, who's gonna win? I feel like we overthink it sometimes. If you're six foot six and you're playing indoor hardcore tennis, sometimes it really just is that much easier for you. Yeah, I mean, look, this was a battle. This the final ended up being a battle of two six foot six guys, um, and so it's like, okay, given how these two play, not terribly surprising. But no, I mean, what what an incredible run for Daniil Medvedev. Honestly, you know. I hadn't seen the best tennis from him as of late, in ter- you know, in terms of just really recent. So I-, I wasn't necessarily keeping my on my eye on him throughout this entire tournament. But look, I mean, he sort of proved me wrong throughout the entire week, just coming up with solid results, never being counted out of matches, and and that's exactly what he did in that final against Zverev. Yeah, I thought that Demon Hour match in the round of 16 was actually perfect for him. It forced him to find his bearings, you know, get solid, just play consistent tennis from start to finish because if you take your foot off the gas for a second against Alex Demon Hour, as he did at the end of that first set, Demon Hour jumps on you. And then from there, I mean, in the quarterfinals, the way he just rolled through Diego Schwartzman, then just plays a rock solid match against Rayonich. Same deal. That first set was a toss up against he who must not be named in the final. And then he he just bounces back in the second set. You know, uh, again, his opponent blinked. Uh, Medvedev takes advantage of that moment. You look at the stats in this match for Medvedev. He did the things well that he absolutely needed to do. He only made 58% of his first serves, but he goes 38 of 48 on those points. He's 21 of 35 on the second serve faces, or saves six of the seven break points he faced. Uh, he did a really good job on that, and then he did a really good job on capitalizing on Zverev's biggest weakness, which manifested itself at moments in this match. It's the second serve, and, you know, 
know, I'm sorry, the name slipped out there. His opponent uh, did a really good job of making his first serve, and that's what is something his opponent did really well all week long. In this match, he made 75% of his first serves, but on those moments, he had to hit the second serve. It would sit up, and Medvedev would pounce on it. He got to use his variety. I mean, Daniil Medvedev, is he your favorite heading into the year-end championships after this result? Maybe, right? He feels the freshest of the players heading into this. So I, I, w- I wouldn't be ready, um, and maybe I'll have to eat my words here, but I, I wouldn't be ready to call him a favorite. Um, I, I think he's one of those people who, you know, you take it match by match and you think, hey, he's always in this match. Um, not necessarily thinking that, hey, I, I think he's going to go out there and win this thing, you know, come out of the round robin stage and, and get all the way through. Too early to say. Uh, I don't know if, if there ever is necessarily a time where it's going to be like, yeah, I feel like Medvedev's for sure going to win this thing. For me, it's about the fact that pretty much on any given day, he can go out there and win. Now, will he? Eh, I don't know if his level's been that phenomenal, but his ability to just get out of tough situations and matches and turn them around, I mean, it's 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 a reason. That's the reason why he's done so well at the highest levels. And yeah, I mean, you're crazy if you think he's not a contender in this thing, but I'm not sure I can go as far as to say as, you know, he's my favorite to win the event. Here's the thing. You look at the eight and you can just start narrowing it down, right? Like with all due respect uh, to Diego Schwartzman, no. So you're down to seven. I'm willing to say this and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't think Rafa wins it either. I just think indoor hard courts are not his best surface. And I guess that's my spicy take for you. I'm not writing him off, but I will be very surprised if I see him win uh, in London because even though he ended up making the semifinals in this event, the way his opponent rolled through him in the semifinals, finals the way it was a struggle in the quarterfinal that second set in the round of 16 against Thompson was a struggle the Feliciano Lopez set he lost it just felt like his ball didn't have the bite it once did on the indoor hard court and London will probably play a little bit higher bouncing and that's definitely going to benefit Nadal but I don't know look he's had a great season it doesn't matter he got major number 20 he's still the best player in the world on clay not the best of all time I'm saying the best in the world right now on clay of course he's also the best all time but I just I mean indoor hardcourt again who are the six foot six players his opponent and then Medvedev as well and like yeah, I think, whatever, I'm just going to call him by his name. I think Zverev could absolutely, like, he is playing some phenomenal indoor tennis. He could bounce back and he could win in, in London. The serve, the forehand right now, the first serve, I should say, it's all working for him and physically it's clicking as well. And the fact, again, that he's not, that he's allowed to play in London, it's a joke. And we talked about that at the opening. But, I mean, like, Djokovic has played so much tennis. I, I'm sorry, I should let you talk probably at some point. It's like, who do you feel most strongly about? Yeah, so, yeah, I'll continue sort of going down the line. First, on Zverev, I, I think, isn't it, doesn't it just feel even more, for lack of a better word, icky that he seems to be being, being like, so playing scumbag. his best tennis? And like, did you hear his, his answer best today? in light of this? Did you, did you hear his answer today at the end of the press conference when they asked him about it? They're like, people are trying to tear me down, but I have the biggest yeah. grin on my face. And it's like, dude, f*** you. Like, seriously, go yeah. f*** yourself. 
Yeah, it seemed a bit disrespectful. But again, it's very concerning that he seems to be playing his best tennis in light of all of this. Um, that that hurts a little bit. But no, I mean, from a purely tennis perspective, of course he's super dangerous, especially when he's serving as well as we just saw him do in the last couple of matches. I mean, he, he proved that he could beat Nadal. Now, obviously, those courts are playing horribly for Nadal. So again, as you mentioned, it perhaps when they're in the 0-2, it'll be a little bit different. But look, we talk about some other guys. Medvedev, we already talked about him. I think what's really nice about Medvedev and, and something that I'm glad he said, um, you know, in his, I don't know if it was in the press conference or if it was on court, actually, after he won, he was like, yeah, I'm really just trying to make my opponent crazy. And when you and I had a conversation off mic before the match, um, about the, before the finals match, it was like, what's Medvedev's greatest weapon? I think it's that, right? It's just stylistically, he knows how to do weird things. And so I think Medvedev has a good shot to win this. There are other guys at the top. If Djokovic isn't bored and he really wants this thing, he should win. Like he just he's just better than all of these players. When he locks in, he's just simply the best tennis player there is. And, um, and this and is so, also probably just quickly the first podcast in four weeks we haven't led with an Andre Rublev segment. And like we're not writing yeah. him off. I just think he's played so much tennis, right? And Tsitsipas has played yeah. so much tennis. And ditto for Dominic Team. And honestly, you could probably throw Zverev in that category. Although he just seems to be clicking right now. It just seems like literally, you know, again. From a tennis perspective, I hate to keep saying that, but it's just like, again, Alex Virov right now. Believe me, he. it's just, if we're going to talk about tennis, we have to talk about the players who are playing great. And I like to think we have done a good enough job of uh, expressing our disdain for him right now. But at the same time, it just seems like his game, his phys- the physical side of his development, it's all clicking right now. And so I really do think he, and then Medvedev, who's now confident, but doesn't have that many matches on his body this year. I think those are two players I do like heading into uh, London, at least to have success on the court yeah and i think that's totally fair look another guy we really haven't talked about much dominic team is the indoor hard court one where we think he's gonna play his best no probably and just not. so much look, tennis yeah and look yeah there's a ton of tennis on his body I, I will say the fact that we didn't see him like you know for example in the finals of a tournament like this is probably good for him uh, because he already has enough wear on that body but I still have no doubt that physically team will be okay. Um, you know, I, I think he'll be all right. He's he's used to playing this much tennis. Um, yeah. And so I think he's going to be okay in that regard. But again, Djokovic has to remain the favorite unless he really just looks out of it like he did um, a couple weeks ago or last week against Sinego. It's true. And, you know, for Dominic team took this week off after the loss in Vienna. He's going to have like two and a half weeks off going into London. You're right. He was a finalist last year. And again, I'm not counting out any of the guys. I just think you look at what happened this week. Again, I don't think Medvedev's the favorite. I just think he has now put himself in a really cool position uh, to compete at the year-end finals. But, uh, you know, just to wrap up our thoughts here on Paris during our, uh, our deciding point show, which all of you can go watch on YouTube again, Jamie, I keep wanting to call it the decision point because I just watched so much NBC and so much CNN this week and honestly sprinkled in some Fox News as well just to get across the spectrum. And, like, I feel like everything was called the deciding point. And so I just keep wanting to call this show the deciding point you can go watch the decision uh, the deciding point excuse me that is what it's called the decision points i keep wanting to call it decision points which i think is george w bush's autobiography about his years as president but anyways on the deciding point you mentioned the fact that you thought stan wawrinka looked really good this week i think that was a take worth repeating here on this podcast who are your other winners from this event 
Yeah, look, so you mentioned it. Stan Wawrinka is one. I just think this is the first time we've seen him gain real momentum um, at a big tournament. Look, again, he loses to Zverev, who is playing phenomenal tennis, but in this, he takes out Rublev, who's been as hot as anyone on the tour, and he takes out Dan Evans, another guy who's looked great as of late. Um, I, I think you got to say Daniil Medvedev just once again stepping in and proving that even if he's running into somebody who's playing that well, He's going to find a way um, to scrap and get through matches. And, you know, that was just really, that was just a really strong mental performance um, from Daniil Medvedev. And I guess what I'm learning more and more now is that even when one Russian bows out, the other one steps up, right? It's been Rublev, 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 um, especially when Medvedev loses early um, in the early rounds of tournaments. And in this time, Rublev goes out a bit earlier, Medvedev carries it all the way through. So, regardless, I think that's sort of a theme, um, something we're going to see in tournaments, big tournaments from here into the next next several years is that even if one Russian goes down early, I think the other ones are going to pick up the slack and uh, carry the torch. Yeah, I, I think what I learned in that match is that Andrei Rublev, if you can hit through him, if you can take time away from him, he still is a little bit vulnerable. Now, the margin you have to hit to take time away from him is becoming thinner and thinner, and of course, that's a great thing for him, but credit to Stan, who took some wax at the ball, and yeah, when he's hitting the ball cleanly, he still looks awesome. I think another guy who deserves another shout-out, how about you know the man who, this tournament was really just season 42 of Survivor, and it was Ugo Umbert who just kept winning and winning and winning in the third set. I mean, in his first round match, 7-6 in the third over Casper Ruud. In his second round match, he ends up winning, I believe, 7-6 in the third again, if memory serves me correct, uh, over, uh, who did he beat in the second round? Over Tsitsipas. That was that 7-6 in the third. Then it was 6-3 against uh, Marin Schultz. Then he has match points against Milos Raonic in what is one of the most fun matches, in my opinion, of the home stretch. Uh, you look for Ugo Umber, Jamie, and this is something I want to do quickly as we move on from Paris, you know, uh, someone who I've gotten the chance to chat with of late, someone who's really good on tennis Twitter with so many different stats. Uh, Enrico Riva released what the rankings would look like right now if they were not adjusted uh, for, you know, COVID for players getting to hold on to points from last season. If that was the case, Ugo Umber would be 15 in the world right now. And that feels right. Like, that's where he belongs, and I just want to read the top 10 to you right now. Djokovic 1, Team 2, Nadal 3, Zverev 4, Rublev 5, Medvedev 6, Tsitsipas 7, Schwartzman 8, Raonic 9, Karina Busta 10. That feels about right. I mean, that that I, it makes sense that the points played out that way, but I actually don't think you need... To, I mean, it feels bad for the players who didn't play, but that is the correct assessment of where things are at right now, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's right. Look, I mean, obviously some momentum was broken um, with everything that happened with COVID and the restart. But yeah, I mean, look, obviously the players in that list are the ones who have looked the best as of late. Um, you know, of course, weird to see that list without a Federer, but he hasn't really been around. Berrettini, unfortunately, has kind of dropped off in that regard, had some not so great results, particularly on indoor hard. Um, so yeah, I mean, those those names absolutely make sense. And look, even though the order's a bit different, it's all those same contenders at the top. Yeah, so on those names, I just want to read the most interesting, in my opinion, for you. You talk about Federer. He's 28. Berrettini would be 36th. Here are some other notable names. You tell me if this sounds right or not. We can just wrap it through them. Borna Chorich, 18. Yes or no? I mean, I sure. That's fine. That okay. sounds about right. You're barely top 20. Fine. Sinner, 23. Yeah, that's fine. Actually, just tell me too high, too low, just right. Kasmenovich, 29. 
honestly too high. Smidge too high. Completely agree with you there. Uh, Pedro Martinez Portero, number 33. Yeah, that is leave him. too high. Just <laughs> leave him right there. Davidovich Fokina, number 40. Uh, just right. I would actually say, you know, even uh, you could push him a touch um, into the 30s and I'd be happy. But that, that sounds about right. I completely agree with you there. All right, here's a fun one. John Isner, number 50. I mean, honestly, at this stage of his career and what we've seen him from him, that's about right. That is absolutely right. Like, that, this is where this list nails it. It's like, you know, I know his rankings protect him, and truth be told, if he's in a Grand Slam, the margins of who you're not picking him against are pretty thin. Like, you probably say he beats, I don't know, if it's him versus Davidovich Fokina in the third round of the U.S. Open, who are you taking? I, God, it's so painful to even say that. But, I mean, you'd, you'd like to say Davidovich Fokina, but, like— yeah, Isner exactly. Serving, exactly. Right? Like, how do you pick against that unless it's somebody yeah. who is just pr- has a proven track record of beating him or guys like him, you know? Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I'd, I'd still say my boy, Davidovich Vokina. Got to yeah. bring in the young. No, we're ragging on him. That's too much. All right, some other ones quickly. Hanifman, number 55. Musetti, number 61. Corda, number 70. Kyrgios, 89. Fodnini, number 90. Gasquet, 94. Yeah, that, th- I thought those are the interesting ones. I mean, you know, there's some other fun ones you can throw in there as well. But to me, those are the ones that stood out the most as, oh, that that, fe- that feels pretty interesting. Yeah, I'd say Gasquet needs to be moved up a bit there. He's shown some actually some pretty good tennis in the last couple of Gasquet, events. not um, Fognini. Fognini, who's number 90 right now, who last season won a Masters event on clay. Yeah, last season, one that we're talking <laughs> about recently here. Gasquet, I mean, Gasquet looked pretty good against Damon Hour, um, and he's had some some tight matches. Like, And look, I know Gasquet's on his way out. Everybody knows that. This is the twilight end of his career. But still, I mean, he's looked pretty solid. And honestly, he's looked better than I have expected, especially out of that French crew. I would have probably put him dead last in terms of having some good results. But really, it's been it's been pretty solid from him. Him and Simone. Uh, Simone has shown up in, in some decent tournaments as well. So, no, it's been good. But, yeah, Gasquet, I'd like to see a little bit higher on that list. Two I missed on that. I apologize. Carlos Alcaraz, the 17-year-old, number 65 right now. He has been that good down the home stretch, but that's too too high um and then another fun one that's too high in my opinion you can tell me if i'm wrong benoit pair number 75 that's too high it's too high what has he done to deserve to be a top 100 player in 2020 uh he was seated number one and then lost to (laughs) when he was the underdog (laughs) too high get him out of i don't think i see basilishvili though and that makes me at least slightly happy let me look through it one more time just a quick eye test i don't see him in the top 50 that feels better yeah i think he is outside of the top 100 that is accurate that is absolutely accurate. And again, shout out to Enrico. That's just a little bit of fun for us here on this Sunday podcast. Of course, that was the action in Paris. Just quickly want to touch on some of the other winners across the tennis world. We just talked about Sebastian Corda. He, Jamie, after losing his first six finals of his career, he was 0-6 in Futures Final, 0-2 in Challengers Final. The ninth time's the charm for him as he wins on the indoor carpet in Germany. He is now third. 
13 and 2 in the last seven weeks, Jamie. You look at where he is at in the live rankings right now. Sebastian Corda moves up to number 116, which is a new career high. Where do you put him in terms of the young guys, the young American men on tour? Is he in the Paul Tiafo Opelka Fritz zone? Do you feel better about him? Do you feel about you know him Nakashima Wolf? I don't know. What what are your thoughts on Sebi Corda? Yeah, I mean, look, this is a great this is a great result for him. I think he's on the cusp of getting into that sort of upper American conversation, but I don't think he's quite there yet. Um, obviously, we saw the deep run from him at the major, which is awesome, um, and, and you hope that he's going to continue to build on that. Obviously, getting that title here, you got to feel like he's going to have some momentum moving into 2021, um, and so I, I do expect great things from him, but I'm not sure I'm ready to put him in the conversation of some of those Americans we've already been talking about for years, the Tiafos, the Fritzes, you know, that list. Yeah, it's, you know, in terms of his game, it's always a matter of can he stay healthy? He's lengthy, 6'4", the big serve. I think he's starting to move better and better, fill out his frame, and the contact point is so beautiful. You can just tell this guy who's had a tennis racket in his hand since the moment he could walk. You're right. I, you know, I probably, if you ask me of the new quartet, right, the him, J.J. Wolf, Brandon Nakashima, who do I feel best about of the three? It's so funny because for six months while there was no tennis, it was all Brandon Nakashima all the time. Then J.J. Wolf comes out firing at the Western Southern. Sebi Court is so great on the clay. I think they're all top 100 players. I think just given the demands of the modern game, I probably have to like quarter the most just because of the length, the power, uh, the combination of skills, but I, I think again you have three more players for uh, the United States on the male side who can end up as top fifty guys. Yeah, and that's exciting, right? That's what we want to talk about. Obviously, you know, you and I are going to be pushing for that all the time, and you know, occasionally our, our coverage is going to be biased in that way that we want to see um, great action from the Americans. We want to see those guys rise through the ranks. But yeah, look, this is where we are right now, and you, you got to feel at least happy with the crop that we've got. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, then with that in mind, just some of the other title winners on the week in the Challenger Circuit, Cedric Steeb, a winner, uh, his first title since 2017. He gets the victory in Parma. We also, as we get into the college tennis season, for, it feels worth noting, the reason we keep getting so excited, the level of play in men's college and women's college tennis higher, maybe in my opinion, than it has ever been. And you look at some of the players who are either currently in college tennis or just removed from it who got titles this week. Alexis Glarno is coming back to be a senior at NC State. He won the ITF 15K this past week, knocking off Roberto Quiroz in the final match. I believe he also beat Ty Kwiatkowski and a couple of other really nice wins along the way. And then Nuno Borges, Jamie, into the top 400 already in his career as he wins his third title of the season, ninth of his career, uh, and wins it this past week in Portugal. He, again, as I mentioned, I mean, he's top 400 in his first 12 months, and that's with a global pandemic going on. So it just shows you these players are so good coming out of college. They're ready to make jumps into the pro level right away. Uh, it's, again, it, and get ready for more of that because we got a lot of players coming back for this 2021 season. God willing, we get to have a season because it should be really exciting. Yeah, 100%. Look, anytime there's tennis coming back on, it's going to be fun, um, and, and you feel for those people. Obviously, you hope that the season goes on without a hitch, and again, based on whatever's going on, if cases are continuing to spike, look, this scenario gets a little dicier and a little dicier, but yeah. Hey, listen, speaking through the high school coach lens, I'm looking to have a season in the spring, <laughs> um, and, and I hope it goes that direction, but you know, here we are, and we're, we're sitting and waiting and seeing what happens. Counterpoint, do you want the undefeated record put in jeopardy? 
Oh, even if we're playing, I'm staying undefeated. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What people always fail to realize is you're also winless, but we don't need to say that part of the story. Yeah, that's later. Westoff, cut that out. Um, no, but with that in mind, of course, again, we've got another really fun week of action ahead of us. We will be previewing that action on tomorrow's mini break podcast. It's going to be a quick turnover between this one and that one, so be on the lookout for that on your feed. Of course, again, really fun week of Cracked Interviews podcast. James Blake, Manny Diaz, Adam Steinberg all coming on the show of course we'll have gsp aces of the day as well excuse me the deciding point our new youtube series which you can go find at cracked rackets on our youtube channel go check out all of our other videos as well our website crackedrackets.com rocking and rolling We've got new writers, new pieces, so many different fun stuff, so be sure to check it all out. You need the more immediate update. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to contact me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fleekner and Daniel Westoff, for the fuck of an ending job they do day in, day out. Shout out, of course, as well, to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com, use the promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com, use the promo code Cracked15. Jamie, with that in mind. Any final thoughts from this weekend's action? Listen, one, just one. I think you're really underplaying the fact that you just talked to James Blake on a pod. That is awesome. <laughs> the legend of the original Topspin games, if you had the pleasure of playing those. That dude was unreal in the Topspin video games. But, no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you got to have a great conversation with him. So, listeners, seriously, go check that one out. Incredible to say that you just casually got to talk to James Blake. That's yeah. awesome. You know, I just name drop. It is what it is. Um, yeah. yeah. No, the, so... Do we get into the story? Should I throw in one more story? Uh, no, you we'll save it for You have 30 seconds Patreon. on the clock. No, I can't because my mom listens to this podcast. Let me just say you know where that story is going, but we'll save it for the Patreon subscribers, of which I think she is also a Patreon subscriber, but at that point <laughs> I can't hold back. So, you know, whatever it may be. Anyways, the point is, yes, I agree with you. I also was expecting you to zig on that take and be like, you know what? Actually, college tennis sucks. Like, all these players suck. I was like, what if that was your response to the Nuno take? You're like, actually, no, you're wrong. I would have I would have laughed. I would have laughed. You would have had me there. But anyways. I couldn't do that to you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, then with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, James Foster McDonald, our super producers Max Fleener and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Records and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell the people? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.